has to get out of your seat and make it a few feet to the altar. God will give you victory for what you need today. He'll give you victory so you don't have to keep struggling. He'll give you victory so you don't have to keep fighting with the same old thing. God will give you victory, but you've got to reach out and grab it in the name of Jesus. Whatever you need, give it. The Bible says whatsoever your heart desires when you pray, believe that you shall receive it and you shall have it in Jesus' name. Oh, we bless your name, God. You still have time to seek him. You still have time to give him glory. You still have time to give him praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, God, you still have time to worship him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, oh God. You still have time. If you need something, victory is in the altar today. That's the word for today. Victory is in the altar. Victory is when you bow your heart and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will take it up if you will let it go. He will take it up if you'll let it loose. He will take it up if you give it to him. You don't have to worry about what the doctor says or what the counselor says about what your friends say. Give it to him right now. He up. Oh, God, we bless your name. Oh, God. For those who are at this altar, I have faith to believe right now for those who are coming and for those who can't make it to the altar but are in their seats. I have faith to believe, Lord God, that you are granting what they need according to their faith in the name of Jesus. God, thank you for interrupting our regularly scheduled service. Thank you for showing up before we even open the service up, God. Oh, God, thank you for opening our service. You are the one we want to be here, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you're moving and you're delivering in this place. We thank you, God, that you're tearing our strongholds. We thank you, God, that you are providing freedom in the name of Jesus. Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name, Jesus. Ah, oh, Jesus. What you need is at the altar. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's at the altar right now. What you need is at the altar. It's not in the praise team. It's at the altar. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you need now is not in the pastor. It's in your faith right now. Walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name. Hallelujah. God is setting people free right now. God is delivering people right now. Oh, where you are in this building, can you worship him right now? Can you give him glory? Oh, God, we give you glory. We lift our hands and we lift our hearts. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We haven't even sung the first song, but Lord God, this is the song that you seek to hear. Oh, God, you said that you seek a broken heart and a contrite spirit. This altar has got people at it that have broken hearts and contrite spirits. Mend them in the name of Jesus. Oh, we give you praise and we give you thanks. Hallelujah. If you're online and you're watching and they've allowed you to be online, guys, you could probably cut cut, <coughs> cut it, the, uh, the in-service feed, or cut, don't cut the feed off. 
but <clears throat> mute the system sound so that they can hear what's going on. If you're listening to me online right now, you can have what you need. God is moving in this building, but God is not confined to a place or a space. God is everywhere. And if you need something right now, I'm crazy enough to believe that God is going to do it for you right now, right where you sit, right where you stand. Oh, right where you are, God is going to bless you. Right where you are, God is going to give you what you need. The reason the enemy is trying so hard to take you out is because he wants you to quit before you get to what God has for you. But I want you to hear the words of the Apostle Paul that we're going to forget those things that are behind. It's behind you now. And look at those things that are forward and press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Press your way. Press your way in prayer. You may feel like this week is beating you up, but don't give up. Go ahead and press in and prayer right now. Go ahead and give God the glory right now. Go ahead and give God the praise right now. Oh, bless his name. Oh, God, we thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus. This is what God wants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what the Father seeks. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name. Praise team, start to make your way this way. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Continue to worship him. Continue to praise him. Oh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Can somebody feel the freeness in the room today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can you stand in the building and lift your hands to God and give him glory in this place? Lord Jesus, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. The spirit and the power of God are in this place. Jesus. Come undone by the mercy. Oh, God, we give you glory. We give you praise and we give you thanks. Oh, we honor you and reverence you today. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Brother Dave, can you open us up with prayer? Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in this service today. God, we pray that you would move and minister to every heart and every mind and every soul. God, we come in here as individuals, Lord, to gather together collectively, Lord, in one mind and one accord. But yet, God, we still have individual needs. We still have things that we're seeking you for. We still have things, Lord, the, the issues that we're uh, struggling with, oh God. And we pray, Lord, for victory this morning. God, help us to put our faith in our heart and our mind and our soul to you, God, and to trust you and to believe you, Lord.
Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but if I got Jesus, how could I want more? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. When I was young, they say some folks would rather have houses and land. Oh, some folks to silver and gold. These things they trade. you could choose. 
I don't know about you, but that song means a lot to me, but I haven't lived a perfect life. And you know what? Sometimes the road is rough and the going gets tough and the hills are hard to climb. Has life ever got on you and it's hard to make the next step? But guess what I've done? I started out a long time ago and there's no doubt in my mind. I don't know about you, but I've decided to make Jesus my choice. I've decided to make Jesus my choice. God, we give you thanks. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your glory, and we thank you for your power, and you thank, we thank you for your grace and all the things that you've done for us. Now, God, as we prepare to bring and break your bread of life, move me out of the way. Hide me behind your cross that they see not me, but they see you, God. I am insignificant, and you are significant. I am the lesser, and you are the greater. And we submit to your word and your will and your way. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. The Holy Ghost has been moving in a unique way this morning. I've said, I've been saying it for months. If you're looking for church as usual, you've come to the wrong building because the ordinary just won't do. God is looking for those who are seeking to worship him in spirit and truth. We pray for those who are out this week. We have a lot of people out dealing with sicknesses going through the land. But guess what? Just like sickness is going through the land, healing is going through the land. And if you're watching online, some of our family, I know you're sick. Many people, my phone was blowing up this morning from people who, who couldn't make it this morning. But I want you to know wherever you are, we're praying for you. And we love you. Give a hand clap of praise for those who are online. Now give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't he worthy? Hallelujah. We're in a sermon series, the series of Romans. Thankful to the youth department as well as the children's ministry of the nursery. They're already gone and they're already working. That, that's, I debated whether or not we would even sing songs because a lot of times we sing songs to usher people into the presence of God. But as you notice, when you walked in the building, the presence of God was already here. Hands were already raised. We were touching heaven and heaven was touching us. It's such a wonderful thing to be touched by heaven, to let God let you know, to manifest itself among his believers. And I want you to know there is no greater joy than to worship the Lord God with you than to be able to sit beside somebody that loves him like I love him and, and somebody to say, I'm not perfect, God, but I love you and I give you all I have. And that's all that God requires of us, to give him our all. From the book of Romans, we're in a sub-series, a series inside of the series of Romans called The Benefits of Holiness. And we're going to go ahead straight into it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We have several scriptures this morning. How many are excited about what God's doing in this place? Hallelujah. He's doing a great work. You can read it with me. I'm going to read it with you, and then I'm going to go back, and I'm going to read it in another version so that it'll be easier to understand. Let's read it. Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, a very familiar passage of Scripture. Psalms 12, I'm sorry, Romans 12 and 1. Let's read that together. I apologize. Let's read. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. What does it say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Hmm. Hmm. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Hmm. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I'm going to read it from the easy-to-read version, the ERV. Yes, there's really an ERV version, but just for some people who might not get that, I'm going to read it how they read it and easy-to-read. It's not on the screen, but you can listen to me. It says, great blessings belong to those who don't listen to evil advice, who don't live like sinners, and who don't join those who make fun of God. Instead, they love the Lord's teachings and they think about them day and night. So they grow strong like a tree planted by a stream, a tree that produces fruit when it should and has leaves. I'm going to preach to you today from this subject, from this scripture and other related scriptures. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, why can't we be friends? You may be seated. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of God. Lord, speak your servants, listen, and we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So grateful for what God is doing. We have, I believe, at least seven to eight people um, that are ready for our new members course, which is going to start uh, October, the first Sunday in October, and it'll go three to four sessions. And we're so excited about those people who are going to be going through it and those who are going to be getting ready to work. Um, God has a, a work for you to do today, and we're so grateful for you. God has been saving people and getting them ready for the, his work and their lives in the ministry. Can you give God a hand clap of praise for that? <laughs> Why can't we be friends? Before I start, it's important for, before I even get into the series, into the sermon, I want to let you know something. It's important for you to understand that I cannot and I will not run your life. <laughs> it's not my job to run your life. It's not my job to peep in your windows and see what you're doing. It's not my job to police your cell phone. It's not my job to follow you to the grocery store. It's not my job to tell you on 696 to see if you're being nice to people in traffic. It is not my job to police your behavior, but rather it is my responsibility to give you some principles. Everybody, everybody say principles. <laughs> See, I, I have a young daughter, and I, I cried the other day. And why did I cry? Because my daughter, she, uh, she's learned to drive. And yesterday, she, she drove to school by herself on her own, in, in her own car. And I, I figured out something. I said, Lord, I spent 18 years almost trying to put something in her to let her know when she leaves me. And I've tried, and I, every day I've held her hand. Every day I've told her what to do and what not to do and stepped back some to help her make choices as she matriculated. And she's trying to navigate this road and 
into adulthood and I have to come to grips with something that no matter how much I love her, no matter how much I tell her, at some point in time, she got to make her own choices for herself. No matter how much I tell her, she needs to love Jesus. She got to love Jesus for herself. No matter how much I tell her right, she got to choose right and not do wrong. And just like I am her biological father, I am your spiritual father. So when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I want you to know that it's time for us to grow up and I will not and cannot follow you around. I will not, and I cannot. I will not be going like this. I will not be doing the Dikembe Mutombo when you cuss out somebody in the parking lot going, ah, I will not be doing that. I will not be hanging around in your living room while you're arguing with your husband and your wife going, uh-uh-uh, I'm not going to do that. But what I can do is while I'm absent, I can give you some principles that can be present that will help you navigate your life and make the best decisions to have the best life that God God is calling you to have because I don't know if you remember it, but everything life is about decisions and decisions determine your directions. You thought that we were going to get rid of that. Life is all about decisions and your decisions determine your direction. And if your decisions aren't diverted, they will denote your destiny. I, I know some students will remember that from the beginning of the year going into the end of the year. I want you to know that everybody said life is a series of decisions. And our decisions denote our direction. <laughs> and if not diverted, they will divulge our destiny. <laughs> In other words, wherever we end up is where we were walking toward. Just to put it in, in a nice, simple way, wherever you walk is where you're going to end up. And in the book of Psalms, we open up this wonderful book. I love the book of Psalms because my mom always told me, really, no matter what you're going through, you can always open up the book of Psalms if you can't open up anything else because there's something in there that speaks to everybody else. And when God began to write in the pages and allow and speak through the psalmist and allowed them to canonize this psalm first, he began to give us what he thought would be most important. He started with something and a principle that could help our lives. They were giving us a prescription for happiness. Is there anybody in here that just want to be happy? You can be honest. If you don't, I'm, I'm going to ask you why at the end of the service. Most of us really just want to be happiness. We talk about joy and we talk about peace, but God does want you to be happy. He says that if you being you give good gifts to your children, how will a good father not give, give gifts to him? His and guess what? He wants you to be happy. God wants you to be happy as long as it goes along with his purpose and his plan. He, he's, he cares about those things. Why, did I, why do I know that? Because he gave us this word. And when he got the Psalms, he used the word that is called Asher. Everybody say Asher. The first word that we call blessed in, in the Hebrew is called Asher. And it simply means happy. <laughs> Happy is he. I'm, I, excuse me for those of you who are new, but I, I, I remembered and I memorized the Bible in the King James. And I remember memorizing blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed or happy is that man. Blessed or happy is that man. In the Bible, we hear it this way. Makurios or Makarios in the New Testament that Jesus said, Blessed are you when he begins to give the Beatitudes. In other words, he's talking about being blessed and he's letting us know while we're talking about the benefits of holiness. It gives us profound insight into how we live this blessed life. 
<laughs> We've talked about holiness and being set apart and the benefits that bring. But one thing is for sure, if you want to be blessed, pull up that uh, pull up that first power principle. I want you to know something. It's down about side 12 or 13. Keep going down a little further, about 12 or 13. Go up one more. Go up one more. I didn't give it to them. I put it in there myself today. That's my fault. That's not theirs. I'll read it to you if they cannot find it. But it simply says this connection to the wrong people is the direction to destruction. Everybody repeat after me. Connection, Connection. to the wrong people is, con- is, is direction to destruction. <laughs> the Bible is not saying that we will not encounter certain types of people in our day-to-day living. It's not saying that we should never talk to the person on the street or the person that's coming by or the person that we meet. But it is saying we should be careful of those who we are in covenant and fellowship with. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of ungodly. Those who we are joined at the hip with. Those who have influence in our lives. Those are the people whose influence and uh, affect us and the system and they get us into all sorts of cantankerous ups and downs they uh, they they affect us the most and we have to be aware of those people who are in what I call relational proximity everybody say relational proximity they are in a relational closeness. What do you mean, Pastor, by relational pr- proximity? You know those people. There are some people that could walk up to you and cuss you out, and you could care less. You walk away like they don't exist. You walk away like they don't matter. And then you have somebody that's close to you, and they'll say something slightly critical, and it ruins your entire day. Why? Because they are in a closer relational proximity. There are some things, I don't care what you do, you're not going to make me mad. Uh, that's just how I am. You're not going to make me mad. You're not going to get me upset. You're not going to get me off my rocker. You can try. Please don't try. Uh, but, but at the same time, you're not going to move me off of my rocker. But Robin, Renee, Batiste, Barry can say two words and I have to go outside. Because she's in close relational proximity to me and what she thinks matters to me. What she thinks affects my life and it affects my decisions. She's in a close relational proximity and people who are in close relational proximity to us, they have a closeness either willingly or unwittingly. We have given them access to our emotions and to our feelings and we have given them weight and their opinions hold weight in our lives. Think about it. Why do you wear the things you wear? Because your spouse likes them. Why do you live in the house that you live in? Most men would live in a box if they could get away with it and save the money. Why do they do that? Because women like like nice houses. So therefore, men go get what? (laughs) Nice houses. Why? Because they like them now because women like them. Men would rather put that money on a Dodge Challenger and ride all day long. That's what they rather do. But there's somebody who's in close relational proximity that is affecting their decisions. And we must be careful of who we let that close to us. Uh, They are ungodly. He said, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Ungodly is somebody who is making a decision. An ungodly person, they make decisions, rather, that are devoid of the principles and the reverence needed of God. People who do anything they big and bad enough and bold to do, he tells us this. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the count of the ungodly, or great blessings and happiness belong to those who don't listen to evil advice. (laughs) 
Since they got it up, I want us to read that. I want you to get that in your spirit. Everybody say, let's read it together. Connection to the wrong people is direction to destruction. Why am I in the shape I'm in? Simply because some of the people you choose to have in your life. (laughs) There was a ship sinking and that ship was going overboard and people were calling out to their gods and and wondering what was going on and they were casting lots and people couldn't figure out why such a violent ship. These are people who travel all the time, but for some reason they are upset this time. They realize that this ship, this, this storm is like no other and they realize that there must be somebody in close relational proximity to us that is causing this and the only person they can find is the person sleeping in the bottom of the ship called Jonah. <laughs> and they realize it's not us and he's the only person that cannot not, not, not help them. And he comes to them and he says, you don't have to throw anything else over the board. He says, I'm the problem. See, God's not after you. He's after me. And I'm in relational proximity to you. And he's going to destroy you to get to me. So the best thing you can do if you want to survive is to throw me over There are some people I've come to tell you that the only way you're going to survive in life is you got to love them, but you got to throw them over. Oh, come on and talk to me, somebody. I know he's cute, but he ain't working in your life. And every time you turn around, then he brings he brings hell and high water with him. You need to throw him over. I I, I know, know you want to marry her, and I know she's cute, but every time you turn around, she's she's got a a flip mouth and she got a bad attitude. And if you're going to rise, you got to throw them over. (laughs) I know y'all been friends since kindergarten. I know y'all been friends since the sandbox, but they can't go any farther than their attitude. And they always think the reason they can't get ahead in life is because of somebody else. And if you ever want to rise, you got to throw them over. Because connection to the wrong people is direction to destruction. Hallelujah. (laughs) The Bible tells us that we should be careful of those who are in close relational proximity to us. And so I went in and I exegeted this text by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God gave me four steps to help us be happy. If you want to be happy and you want to learn how to have peace in your life, I've come to tell you some of the directions that you are having are directly related to the decisions you're making about the people you allow in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, blocking you is blessing me. There's some people on, there's somebody on Facebook, and, and you need to learn how to hit unfollow, unfollow. You learn how to hit, hit block because you negative and you nasty. And the more I look at it, the more negative and nasty I get. So blocking you is blessing me. I love you, but I got to block you and throw you overboard. Hallelujah. Oh, y'all coming on with me now. Hallelujah. There are some people that are in your life that you know you like, but you got to cut the cord because they are anchored to you and they are sinking. And if you don't throw them overboard, you going down with the ship. That's what happens to a lot of believers. A lot of believers, they get saved, but they like the friends they had before they got saved. And the friends they had before they got saved have no interest in being saved. And because they value the relationship with the friend more than they value the relationship with God, they stick with the friend and they go down with the ship. Haven't seen you in a while. Why? Because you didn't change your friend. Haven't seen you in a while. Why? Because you didn't change your choices. 
You're going down with the, ship, uh, with the ship. So I'm going to give you four principles that will help you. And, and I want you to write these down to help you be happy. Number one, everybody say evaluate. Evaluate. You need to learn how to evaluate. You need to learn how to assess friendships. Everything in life is transactional. You need to learn how, how to look at people and say, are you bringing value or are you taking value? You can have, every time you go through life, you're going to have people that are feeding you and people that are feeding on you, but there are some people who aren't feeding on you. They're leeching on you and they're draining you. Every time you get off the phone with them, you're tired. Every time you get off the phone with them, they got problems and issues. And the only time they call you is when they want to dump their trash into your can and you need to sometimes say my trash is full go find somebody else to be your garbage can I got to evaluate these relationships and see how beneficial they are for me pastor prove it to me in the word I don't I'm glad you asked go to first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 I got Bible for it first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 let's read it before I say what did it say do not be deceived bad company ruins good morals Woo. but I'm an adult I, I know how to handle this I know they don't care about God I know they won't come to church I, I know they, 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 they don't really care about the church thing either you are influencing or being influenced we can't never take a trip on Saturday we got to go on Sunday and you got to come with us but somehow Saturday is always full, but Sunday is the perfect day. But they don't care whether they get anything on Sunday or not because they don't care. But if you keep connected with them, soon you'll be right where they When you keep the wrong people around you, your connections to the wrong people will become a direction to destruction, and we are often sabotaging our own happiness and the blessing of God in our life simply by the people that we choose to connect with. Mm. Look at your neighbor, say it's tight, but it's right. Don't get quiet on me now. I know, I know you're thinking about these friends you got to let go when you leave. I know you're thinking about all the people you need to block on Facebook and, and everywhere else. I know you're thinking about all these people that you need to change your phone number because you ain't strong enough not to talk to them. But, and I know you don't like it, but at the end of the day, I can't follow you around. But if you, my daddy used to sing a song. He said, you don't have but one life to live. Take your time. And if I fail to live and my soul be lost, it's nobody's fault but Hallelujah. Oh, somebody else heard that song, too. He said, I have a Bible I can read. I have a Bible that I can read. If I fail to read and my soul be lost, then nobody's fault but Hallelujah. I'm going to give you these principles. And as a spiritual father, oh, I wish that you would follow them. Oh, I wish you would use them so they would bless your life. But if you stay in the same shape and you call pastor after the day talking about relationship problems with people that I've already told you aren't good for you, I'm going to say I love you, but I don't want to hear it. Because if you're going to do it, do it and do what you do. But if you fail to listen and your headaches keep coming, it's nobody's fault but Sometimes we can't be told by heart. Sometimes God has given us a thousand times and signals to leave that person alone. They might be good for somebody, but they're not for us. This isn't working out. But we keep being bullheaded, trying to pull people into our life that God is trying to subtract. And when we do that, we're bringing death upon our life. 
death to our dreams and to our goals and to our desires. And if we're going to be happy, we have to realize that some of our happiness is devoid because we are devoiding it. If you had to evaluate the decision-making capabilities of those around you in close proximity, what would the grade be? I want to tell you something. This is going to be kind of tight, but you need to know this. If you want to know where you're going to be in five years, look at the five closest people to you. If they broke, you're going to be broke. If they divorced, yeah, you're going to be divorced. <laughs> if they single, you're going to be single. <laughs> if they locked up, you're going to be locked up. Because you can't go any farther than what you are attached to. So when you pick your friends in life and the people that you choose to have close association with, it will be in your best interest not to pick people where you are, but to pick people where you want to go. My wife is the world's best. My wife never picks people that are her age, and I rarely do either to be friend. I generally pick people that are older and more mature than I am. Why? Because I don't pick people where I am. I pick people where I'm trying to go. If you can't pray, why am why I wasting my time talking to you? I can't pray either. And if I can't pray either and you can't pray, we're going to be in five years. We don't know anything more than where we started. If you don't know the Bible, and I don't know the Bible either, and we, you're not interested in God, how am I going to get closer to God and find out his truths and principles for my life? I need to find people who are headed in the same direction that I'm headed. Young ladies online and in the building, if he can't teach a Bible study, then he ain't the one. Because every man in his house should be the pastor, he should be the priest, the prophet, the protector, and provider of his home. And if he's needing to be led, he can't lead you. But I don't want to be alone. You're already alone. You just don't realize it. If she, fellas, if she's cute but she don't love Jesus, leave her where she is. Because I'll give you a good hint. I've lived long enough and I've seen enough life to know that I was a state championship power lifter when I was 18. But I'm not 18 no more. Those things change. <laughs> and if you hook up with the wrong person for the aesthetics, you are going to be in bad shape. I told a young man the other day, a guy the other day, I said, you need to pick a woman like you pick a car. Don't pick the shiniest model because it's high maintenance. <laughs> Go get you a Honda. <laughs> it, may not, it may not be the best looker, but it's dependable and you can count on it. <laughs> How do guys get caught up? We always go on for what? Looks. And we look over substance. She may not be Beyonce, but she can pray. She's a good mother and she got good habits. Hook up with those type of ladies. Stop looking for things that fleet and fail. His muscles are going to go away and table muscles are going to show up. Stop looking for the biggest biceps and start looking for the biggest prayer light. Yes. But the enemy gets us caught up, doesn't it? Is this helping anybody? I don't know about you, but I'm having fun. I'd be uncomfortable if I was sitting where you were sitting because I was uncomfortable while I was reading this. <laughs> I understand. I'm just going for it anyway, but I understand. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is another power principle that I didn't put up, but I want to leave it with you. Your associations can be an anchor and your friends can make you fumble. If you want to go up in life, you've got to start evaluating the weight of relationships and people in your life and choose healthy relationships and partnerships. We need to realize that there's a clear and distinct difference between the ways of the world and the ways of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a way the world does it, and there's a way that God does it. And if all of your friends would do it God's way, that's a problem. Because the uh, proverb says, don't be friends with a hot-headed person because they will ruin your life. Because when you get mad and you want to hit them in the head, then they already ready to hit them in the head. Both of y'all going to jail. You need a calm friend with you to say, that's not a good choice. Who we connect ourselves with will be our uprising or our downfall. When you're dating somebody or double dating young people, if you're double dating and she disrespectful to her husband, fellas, run. Because when your wife see that, she's going to start doing it to you. If he don't be nice to his wife, ladies, run. Because after a while, he's going to see it and think it's okay, and he's going to start doing it to you. Jesus says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We've all had that, that couple, be, be it dating or married, that we went out with and we were just saying while we were eating, I can't wait till I get out of here, never again. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable being here. <laughs> Nobody wants to be around somebody always negative and nasty and fighting. Nobody wants to be around a woman who's down talking and disrespecting her husband. Nobody wants to be around a man who's mean and, and, and arrogant and tough on his uh, wife and can't have a kind word. Nobody likes that. So if you're talking around, and everybody has that person in their life, and if you don't have that couple in your life, you are that couple. If you can't say amen. <laughs> when you do what sinners do, you get what sinners get. Sin is a seed that produces destruction, and many times the enemy is not bothering us all at all. We are simply reaping what we have sown. So we need to evaluate our perspectives and our worldviews. Who is influencing us? Why do we make the decisions we make? So number one, everybody say evaluate. evaluate. Number two, this is your second principle. We're going to keep it moving. Everybody say separate. separate. Yeah. After you've evaluated, now it's time to what? Separate. Psalm 1 and 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. There are three functions described here. The counsel, the way, and the seat, emphasizing that the righteous avoid thinking like, behaving like, and dealing with the wicked. That is from the Faith Life Study Bible. The Psalms is saying that happiness ensues when we find people that, fi that follow the path that God doesn't want, and we walk the opposite way. Pull up that next power principle for me. This is one of the most powerful. We almost out of self. Pull up that power principle. The one that talks about happiness. And, and, and I want you to see this because this is important. Happiness is what? Produced from a liberation of thought and behavior patterns from the norms of the world's culture and ideology. We got to stop thinking like the world thinks. We got to stop doing our business like the world does it. We got to stop looking for the side hustle and live an honest life. 
We got to stop, stop looking to get over or get by and do things that are honorable and just what God is calling us to live. And when you have people that every time, you know that guy. I, everybody has that guy. That, I call him hustle man. You, you, you would pay full price, but hustle man gets it from, for you, but you, you can't ask him where he got it from. You, we all had those people in our life, haven't we? You need to cut them people out of your life because they bring destruction to your what? Those people who teach you how to cheat the rules. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Let's read what that says. 1 John 15, 2, 15 through 17. Y'all all right out there? Talk back to me if you're all right. Give God a hand clap. I, I want to make sure you're okay. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. What does it say? Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, wow. For all the things that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. If you stay around them long enough, and like I was younger, they say, they smoking them funny cigarettes. You're going to start smoking them too. When, when you see them and the only fun, sense of fun they have is to go out and get wasted, after a while, it's going to start with the sociable drink. Then it's going to start with the DUI. Then it's going to start with drug addiction and all sorts of things because we love the world and the things of the world. You are not of the world. You are not of the world. God didn't make you to be like everybody else. But he says this. This is the encouragement. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Happiness will follow you if you just do what God wants you to do. <laughs> Isn't that hard? Just do what God wants you to do. A man went to the doctor said, doctor, my arm hurts when I do this. What do I do? The doctor said, stop doing that. John is not telling us not to show the people in the world love. What he is telling us is to reject the ways of, not the people in the world. The ways refers to the mindsets and behaviors of the world. They are ultimately harmful to us. So the first thing we have to do, everybody say evaluate. Evaluate who's in our life. Evaluate our friendships. And honestly, evaluate ourselves. Because sometimes the worst enemy is the one that's in me. <laughs> sometimes... The, camp, the evil advice doesn't come from without, it comes from it within. <laughs> we'll catch that later. That's another sermon for another day. It's already tough enough. Let's go to step three. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Number one, we, everybody say we have to evaluate. evaluate. And then we have to separate. separate. But now the third one is meditate. meditate. Hallelujah. But his, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates both day and night. Now, if we just read that and we don't study that, that's as good because we think of Eastern philosophy when we think of meditation and some weird person in yoga pants going like this or doing something. That's not what this word means. You got to know what this word means. When I, when, I, when I figured out and started reading this word and studying back over this, I brought my kids in and I was excited to tell them what this word meant. And they were looking at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but, but that's okay. I was still excited about 
about this word because this word, he says, in his law, he meditates. The word that they use is a different word. Everybody say Hagah. Hagah means to murmur or to read aloud, but this is what I like about it. It says to moan or to growl. Now, that might seem like something that's, that's foreign to people, but in order to do it, the scripture interprets itself. So if you go over to Isaiah 31 and 4, it uses that same word, Hagah, and it simply means the same way that a lion growls when it eats its prey. He's not angry. He's not, he's, he's not upset. But the best way I can put it is, anybody ever had one of those Cokes in the glass on a hot summer day? <laughs> one of those real, real, real icy cold Coca-Colas, and you drink it, and when you drink it, everybody right after they swallow it down, what do they do? <sighs> you hear that? That's Hagar. <laughs> it means that he's feasting on it, and it is so good and refreshing to him that he has to stop and take time to think about what he's ingested. One interpretation is like a lion growling as it feasts on his prey. It's enjoying the experience. It's taking its time feasting. It's, I liken it just to a Coca-Cola on a cold day, but this goes beyond regular Bible reading then. It doesn't mean just pull up a scripture and read it just to say that you read on it, but you've got to learn how to feast on the word of God. How do I feast on the word of God? That word Hagah means also to recite it aloud over and over that you love the, war, love, love the word of God so much that you find yourself saying, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scorners, but he delighted in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. And this due season in his leaf will never dry up, and whatever he does shall prosper. Why do you keep saying it? Don't you know it? Yeah, but it's good to the last drop. And every time I get a one bite, I want just one more. That I love his word so much that I'm willing to get rid of everything else because I love his word <laughs> in his in his law, he hagas, he, he meditates, he recites it over and over, he feasts on the word of God. This is important because I want them to pull up that next screen about the power of four. I want you to see the power of four. Before you pull it up, pull it down for a second. I want you to know something. If you want to really have a happy life, you've got to learn to hagah. You've got to learn to feast on the word of God, to be refreshed by the word of God, to the point where you stop opening your Bible because you look like, oh, I'm a Christian and that's what I do, to when you open up and when you pull up your phone, the first thing that comes up is not your Facebook, but your Bible app. <laughs> Somebody should have shouted right there, but, but you shame. That's okay. I can be shamed with you. But at the same time, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to be so excited about his word that you're reading it when you go to sleep and you're reading it when you wake up and you're reading it all day long. Why? Because you realize that it's the key to my happy life. It's the key to my blessings. It's the key to me being close to God. And you can't do just casual reading. There's a study pulled up about the power of four, and it is a scientific fact that people who actually read the Bible three times or less a week see no significant change in their life from an average sinner. I'll repeat that. Scientific fact, from the Centers for Biblical Engagement, that a person that reads his Bible three times or less has the same behavior patterns as a non-believer. 
But the power of four, pull up the power of four. You can look at the study if you want it, I'll give it to you. It's a whole study. It's, the, from the, it's called the power of four. That studies have shown from the Center for Biblical Engagement that if you read your Bible four times more a week, you are 57, let's read it together. You're what? 57% less likely to get drunk. 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage, 61% less likely to watch pornography, 74% less likely to gamble. Just from reading your word and feasting on it four times a week. Also, there's something else there. Let's look at what, what, what you're more likely to do. And look at the percentages. That's staggering. You're what? Let's read it together. You're 228% more likely to share your faith with others. If everybody's reading their word at least four times a week or more. The full building we had last Sunday, we have it every week. 200 what? 231% more likely to disciple others. 470% more likely to memorize scripture. Wow. That's science for those who like science. So after we evaluate and we separate, we have to learn to meditate. The word of God is life for you. We're not just reading it for a vain exercise. It's medicine to our bones. It's medicine to our heart and our soul. I ask you this question. Here's the thing. Your soul is just like your body. If you, don't, if you continue to carry every day and you don't eat over and over again, what you ate gets used up and you are empty. So I ask you something. If your heart and mind is not full of the word of God, what is it full of? Be careful for your answer. Is it full of CNN and Fox News or ESPN? A talk radio, is it full of gossip? Is it full of video games? Is it full of weed? Is it full of perp and loud and all that other stuff? Is it full of Mount Liquor and White Cloud? Is it full of Cavassier and, and Hennessy? Is it, is it full of premarital sex? Is it, is, is, it, is it full of side chicks all over the place? Is it, what, what, is it, what is your life full of if it's not full of the word? Is it full of just apathy? You come into church, but you are here, but you're not really here. If God is not filling that space, we have to ask ourselves a question, what is? Why am I telling you this? Because that's a principle that can change your life. So after that, after we have learned to evaluate, after we have learned to separate, and we have learned to meditate, the last one, we don't have to do anything. It's a result. Everybody say elevate. elevate. Hallelujah. The Bible says this. He is like a tree. Not, not a limb. <laughs> not, not a little piece of grass that's thrown to and forth with every wave of doctrine. That's why people on, on YouTube and they follow every, any and everybody on YouTube that's got a YouTube channel saying something about God because they're not like a tree. And, and if you go and read that study, I'll be glad to show it to you. It says that most, of the Bible, most people are biblically illiterate. That's why we having some of the arguments in church that we having. You would never have to argue that a man is a man and a woman is a woman and God preordained marriage for man and woman if people were reading their Bible. Yeah. 
you would never have to argue that it's not okay to live together before you get married if people were reading there. They may still do it, but you wouldn't have to argue the point. But we haven't argued the point because it's not just the pew, it's the pulpit that is not reading their Bible. And as Dr. Tony Evans says, when there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. We got a lot of people that are preaching the word that don't love the word. But when you do, it says he is like a what? Tree planted by the streams of the water. Why did he say, why didn't he say he's like a, a tree that's in the middle of the forest? No, he wants you to know he's by the streams of the water. What is so important about being by the stream instead of being over here? Why? Because if you're in the middle of the forest, you got to wait till it rains to get water and nourishment. But if you by the stream, you are getting constant nourishment and you are stronger than the average tree. So when the wind blows you, you don't move. When somebody step on your toe in church, you show up again the next Sunday. When you find out somebody in church did something nasty to you, you don't run away talking about church hurt. You say, I wasn't here for them anyway, because you are strong and you are a tree, stranded by the will of the water, and you are rooted and grounded in God. And this is what I like. He said, his leaves shall not wither. Is your worship withered? Are you dried up? Are you having trouble raising your hands? Are you having trouble connecting with God, doing praise and worship? Maybe it's because you're not planted by the rivers of water and you don't love God's word like you need to love it. Why? Because there are too many people in your life that are distracting you. Get those people out of your life and run to the river and run to the river of life. Because if they are not leading you to God, they are leading you away. He says, nor stand in the way of sinners. But then he said, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, nor hang around people who think that they can mock and scoff at God. Those people who declare themselves atheists and agnostics and live any and old kind of way and want you to accept them. No, we are here in the church because we do not accept that. And if I have to accept that to be your friend, well, then we can't be friends. Because I read in the Bible, know you not that friendship with the world, he that is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. You don't have to shout out, shout myself. Oh, hallelujah. Why am I telling you this? Because this is why I don't know who I'm talking to, but this is why your life is not changing. You have the wrong people in your life and you think you're going to do whatever you want to do and still get away with it. You cannot. But Solomon said, can a man pull fire into his bosom and not get burned? You cannot keep playing with sin. You cannot keep playing with sinful people and not get it on you. That's why the world said, come out from among them and be ye separate. He's like a tree planted by the rivers of the water that bringeth forth its fruit in due season, and its leaves do not wither, and all he does prospers. Not just some things, but all things that he does prosper. If you will do and follow this prescription, I'm going to put it up. We'll put it up online. We'll put those steps out. 
because I want I don't want you to come here just to get a good word. I want you to come here and find something that's going to change your life. I want you to be better next week than you were last week. When you call me with your problems, call me with your problems. That's what I'm here for. But when you call me, I rather rather than a problem, let it be a praise report. That I did what you said to do. And it's working in my life. God is blessing my life because I'm reading my Bible more. And I'm acting on what I read, and I'm not just reading it to check the box so I can come tell pastor, I read my Bible today. Ain't you happy for me? No, you didn't meditate. You just read on your way to sleep. I see the drool right there on the end of your Bible. You, you just tried to read the scripture before you went to sleep. That doesn't count. <laughs> well, it counts, but it doesn't count as much. <laughs> I want you to get so hungry for it that you have an insatiable hunger for the word of God. That you get more excited about reading your Bible than you do when wind calls the heart come on. Or when John Wick comes on. Or, or when, when Fabulous, Fabulous 10 or whatever the, 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 the series, the racing series that won't ever go away. It will not go away. <laughs> Why? Because I can't make you do it. But I know what happens when you do it. Why can't we be friends? Because you're pulling me down. I'll see you and I'll speak to you and I'll be nice to you, but we are headed in opposite directions. You know what? The friends I have now are not the friends that I started with. Some of the friends I have now will be the friends I have for the rest of my life, and I'll gain other ones as they go, but you only have very few rare friends. And even with my friends, I evaluate our friendships, and sometimes I realize that it's time to terminate this relationship. Why? Because if I, I give you time and I give you space, like God will give you time and space, if you want to change and you're not perfect, you don't have to be perfect to be my friend. You don't have to dot every I and cross every T, because I don't dot every I and cross every T. I myself am not perfect, but what I am doing is trying to get better. And if I for one second think that you are trying to stay where you are and you don't want to progress, I've got to cut the... Because I'm not going down with you. And if it's raining on your head... I'm going to get wet. Oh, if I could take it back from the friends and the family members and the young ladies that I've talked to. I'll never forget somebody I, I talked to. They, they don't live in the state, so I'm not talking about anybody here. They were coming to church, and a young guy was coming with them. And they said, what do you think about him? I said, you need to leave him alone. He ain't no good. But he coming to church with me. I said, he ain't coming for you. He ain't coming for God. He coming for you. And as soon as he gets you, he going to stop coming. And he got her. And she could never get him to come to church again. She had all sorts of trouble out of him. He wouldn't stand up and be a man. He wouldn't take care of his family. He wouldn't do none of the stuff that he was supposed to do. Why? Because that stuff's taught in the Bible, and if you're not exposed to it, and you have no other men to teach you. Why? Because she hooked up with the wrong what person. And here's the thing. Come here, Caleb. Come here, Brother Dave. Come here, Zach. See? 
We're a product of our friends. We're a product of the people that are around us. People will say, well, you hang out with Brother Dave a lot. I really, that's a disclaimer. We don't hang out all the time. Brother Dave just at the church all the time, and so am I. <laughs> but why do I keep Brother Dave close to me? Because Brother Dave has some things that I admire. Some things that I want to become, even as, as, as a person. So I keep him close to me, so maybe what's on him will rub off on But if I keep him and, and, and his son don't care about God, I will hang out with Brother Dave, but Caleb said he got tickets to the Lions. I'm going to go watch the Lions lose, and I'm going to lose too. <laughs> the Lions may win this year. But watch this. If Brother Dave is headed this way and he's headed the right way, head this way, Brother Dave. You head this way, Caleb. Now, here's the problem. Come on. He's blocking. I can't go both ways. I can't go both ways. And even if I pull, start turning around. All I'm going to keep doing is going around in circles. How many of you is this? Y'all happy with each other today? Y'all ready to kill each other tomorrow? Y'all up today? <laughs> Y'all down the mark. Y'all having a good time today? You cussing everybody out tomorrow? <laughs> you got a great mood today? You manic depressive tomorrow? <laughs> you happy today? You ready to run over everybody tomorrow? Your mood is up and down. Why? Because of the people you connected to. You connected to unstable people, and you're going to be unstable. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why can't I hear from God? The end of the scripture, he said, that man can receive nothing from the what? Lord. Because the way of godliness is over here. And instead of doing it, I just keep going around in circles with the same old bozos. Same old man you need to kick out, kick out of your life. Same old woman you need to kick out of your life. Same old friends. You need, they're not going to change, and you can't change them. I know you think you can, but if you could, they already would be. You keep fighting, and this is what you're doing. You're going around and around. Got me going in circles. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't we be friends? Not because I don't like you, but because maybe we headed in different. So I appreciate you and the time we spent, but you got to. I'm going <coughs> this way. I'm not going to grab a whole dude's arm like this. It's just not going to do it, but you get the point. <laughs> I ask you a question. I asked you a question. Why can't, why can't we be friends? Why? Because if you take this advice, that's the question you're going to get from somebody today when you call them and tell them, I can't talk to you no more. Why can't we hang out? Why can't we continue to date? Because we're headed in different. Is this helping anybody today? Amen. Yes. Yes. The altar is open. Selah. Selah in the Bible is a musical term 
from psalmists like Terhan and myself. What Selah means, we call it a, a vamp or a musical interlude today. It's when somebody says something or they sing something, but all of a sudden after they sing, they pause. Selah means to pause and calmly think about what has been said. And to you today, I say Selah. How is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life today? Prayer team, you can come up. Brother Dave, you can come up. If you got somebody you need to get out of your life, it doesn't have to be a negative thing, but it's just time for you to move to a different place. I want you to make a profession and come this way today. Come this way.